Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this identity episode, we will learn about God's glory and its relationship to the anointing. What is it, and what does it have to do with you as a believer in Christ? Let's begin with an understanding of the Shekinah glory, or correctly pronounced Shekinah glory. The word Shekinah is not in the Bible, but it is a common Hebrew word used to describe God's glory. The root word for Shekinah is Shekan, which means residence or dwelling place. The Shekinah glory means God's visible or manifest presence. To say visible means that it can be seen or experienced with human or natural senses. It was originally used to describe the pillar of cloud and fire that led the Israelites for 40 years in the desert. It was not a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night, as I thought it was. It was actually a single cloud of fire that was visible during the day as a cloud, and at night it appeared as fire. This cloud of fire was the visible representation of God's presence with the children of Israel. Essentially, this cloud was Emmanuel, God with us. God revealed himself as the cloud of fire to continually remind the Israelites of his protection, guidance, and power. This was a 40-year-long miracle. The cloud of fire was not the fullness of God's presence, just visible evidence of God's presence. God was in the cloud of fire, but was not limited by the cloud of fire. It was merely a physical representation of him. This was so the human mind could understand that he is real and he was present. There are many verses that indicate that God is not limited by an ethereal, shapeless cloud. We are reminded that we were created in God's image, and there are many verses that refer to God's face, hands, and feet, for example. But being made in God's image is not just the physical manifestation of a man. However, what it's really about is creating us to be like him in nature and character. The point is that we should not limit God's presence to one particular form or another. God's glory can appear in many different ways, and we need to be careful not to limit God in our minds by boxing him in to a single form. God's glory is also revealed in all of his creation, nature in its beauty, splendor, and complexity. God's fire is a purifying light. It is not a destructive fire, but a cleansing one. Encountering God's glory purifies and burns things off that hinder us from God's full potential for us. It helps you see yourself clearly and molds you into God's likeness, his nature and character. God's glory is his godliness. It's God's love represented in his goodness, his holiness, and his ways when Ezekiel faced the glory of God in the throne room, he fell on his face for seven days. And when Daniel saw God, he lost all strength and passed out as in a deep sleep. When Peter saw Jesus do something miraculous, he fell at his feet and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. Facing the glory of God has you see yourself rightly because it's from God's perspective. 
And it causes you to immediately be humbled in repentance. When doing my research on this, I was reminded of the story I heard once about a pastor and his wife that were building a new church. Out of the blue, they received an unexpected call from the pastor's atheist brother. He had decided to visit them without notice and was asking to be picked up from the airport. Confused, the pastor and his wife braced themselves for what would typically be an uncomfortable few days as his brother made his opinions about their Christian faith obvious by ridicule and mocking. The drive home from the airport went directly past the church that they were building, and the pastor felt a strong spiritual urge to suggest that they check out this new building. He confessed that he argued with God for a few moments as they were getting close to that exit, not wanting to experience what he expected to from his brother. To the couple's surprise, the brother made no objection to the delay since having given them no notice, he didn't feel like he had much room to object. He figured he would just walk in and walk out of this building and move on with his life. What happened next shocked all three of them. The pastor's brother took one step into the building and then fell at his feet weeping. Then he grabbed his brother's legs and looked up to him and said, I just met your Jesus and I need to ask him into my life now. In that one second of that one step into the building, this young man had a timeless encounter with God that seemed to take hours where he met the holiness of God in all his glory and saw himself rightly and knew the truth of his eternal destiny if he did not accept Christ. The pastor dropped to his knees and led his brother in the salvation prayer, and their lives were never the same. Saul had a similar encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus, years after his ascension to heaven. He was on a mission to kill the followers of the way, as Christians were called back then, and Jesus himself had a word with him on that road. Saul was later renamed Paul and is responsible for two-thirds of the New Testament and is still bearing fruit to this day in heaven. Shekinah is not the only word for glory. The most common Greek word to describe glory is doxa, which means God's infinite, intrinsic worth, substance and essence, honor, renown, glory, especially divine quality, and the unspoken manifestation of God, his splendor. And another very common word is kaukaamahi, which means I boast I glory, exalt proudly. From God's perspective, this is a way of saying, I show myself to you. God's isness is a term that God gave me to explain the fullness of who God is, and it includes his omni-characteristics of omnipresence, omniscience, omnipotence, and omnibenevolence. It encompasses the full nature and character of all that God is. The term manifest means to show plainly, to experience directly, to make obvious, to make apparent and clear. So I had a theory that the word glory meant the manifest presence of God's isness. 
I wanted to have a conversation with the Lord where I checked this assumption out with him personally and asked him some more clarifying questions. So I said to the Lord, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, Lord, but from all the words used to describe glory, it appears that the meaning of the word glory is that it's your manifest presence of your isness, which essentially means that you reveal yourself by showing your whole nature, character, and power to us directly by means of us directly encountering you with all that you are in nature, character, and omnifulness. How am I doing so far? And he said, you got it. That's right. And I said, so your glory is revealed in nature and creation with your beauty and splendor order and complexity, and it's revealed when people suddenly meet you and drop to their knees in repentance and accept the gift of salvation. And he said, yes, exactly. Okay, Lord, so how has your glory changed since the finished work on the cross and you sending us the Holy Spirit? I have deposited my omnifulness with the Holy Spirit including my nature, character, and power, into the hearts of all believers. In John chapter 1, it speaks about the light that shines in the darkness. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt tabernacled among us as we beheld His glory. Remember that glory is related to dwelling? Yes, Lord. So this was first... You, Jesus, the Word becoming flesh, living amongst us, and then showing us what it looked like to release your love and light by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, yes, and now that glory resides in all of you and other believers. The Shekinah glory is no longer limited by the temple in Israel or in the desert, but it is multiplied in the hearts of every believer. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells within you? The Spirit's purpose is to teach you all things and to release the power given to you as a gift full of radiance in the fullness of my glory. This is your promised land. You must be led by the Shekinah glory lighting your way for my entire life's journey for you to meet your promised land. When you reflect my love, you are reflecting my glory. And I said, I noticed that there are a lot of verses connected with fire related to your glory. And he said, yes, this is the refiner's fire. It is a purifying and not a destroying kind of fire. When you see me clearly, you see yourself clearly, and you want to repent and allow me to transform you. And then I said, So all of the face-to-face experiences that you have me facilitate on this podcast and in these books, where we see and encounter you in the special place, we are encountering the transformational glory of you? And he said, yes. Anytime you seek me for me, I reveal myself to you. This is my glory. Okay, so help me understand the difference or distinction between your glory and your anointing. The anointing is the equipping power to accomplish your purpose. It is a material substance with electric properties 
that can be stored and is designed to be released. So the anointing is not for you. It's for who I have put in your heart to bless. The anointing is a byproduct of my glory. That means it is a result of my glory. My glory produces the power and the anointing releases it. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, And we all, with unveiled face, continually seeing in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are progressively being transformed into His image from one degree of glory to even more glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And Jesus said, You can see from this verse that you grow from glory to glory, progressively being transformed into my image. The growing comes from fixing your eyes on me. So experiencing my glory is for you to become who I need you to become. Encountering me directly has the transformative power to change you. And the side effect is that you receive anointing. So the glory is to transform you and the anointing is to bless others. My glory covering insulates you from the power. So imagine an electrical socket. Putting your fingers in the socket would give you a shock that is so powerful it may even kill you. But if you were covered in a rubber suit, the electrical current could flow through you, protected by the rubber, and seek a way as to escape. That's the anointing. Okay, with that as an example, it seems kind of dangerous to try to operate in the anointing apart from you, Lord. Is it even possible? Yes, and this is important. Oftentimes people seek for the anointing, but they don't really seek for me. They don't understand that the anointing is a side effect. Seek me first, and the anointing power comes along for the ride. It's a side effect. Many people are caught up in doing for me. So what they do is seek for the anointing. When the real secret of massive kingdom impact comes from being with me. Lord, if you can't really have anointing apart from the glory, help me understand Matthew 7, 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day when I judge them, Lord, Lord, we, have we not prophesied in your name and driven out demons in your name and done miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them publicly, I never knew you. Depart from me. You are banished from my presence, you who act wickedly, disregarding my commands. And Jesus continued, The anointing is a material substance that can be stored like a battery, and it works when it's charged. It could have been charged one day and still work weeks later sort of like a bank account. You must have some money deposited to have money to withdraw. So people who start off with the holy habit of abiding in my presence can build up a nice anointing bank account and see salvations and healings and miracles. But then in the busyness of the ministry, they get caught up in the attention and simply expecting that the anointing will be there, wake up one day and see that it's gone. Samson had this experience in the Bible. It was not his hair that made him strong, it was me. And he did not know that the anointing had left him because his strength had always been there. 
It was his pride that made him vulnerable. I do not take back any gifts that I've given, even though many may misuse them in pride in their human imperfections. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, for he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those whom he has given his grace or for whom he sends his call. Before long, some people get caught up in the busyness of their ministry, and they put time with me on the back burner, and their anointing bank account dwindles. But they can still perform miracles and see the power of the anointing while they're not really spending time with me for a while. However, the lack of priority of face-to-face time with me opens the door for the enemy to step in and rob them of future impact. And it's just like a bank account without continual deposits. The anointing can be completely drained. Wow, Lord, I said, this explains the fall of many high-powered preachers and teachers over the years. This is a sober warning to remind me and all of us to always remember that you must be our greatest priority and not serving for you. So, Lord, what is the secret of staying on track? And he said, you must have holy habits, lifestyle staples to keep you prioritizing me first. Okay, Lord, how do we do that? What are the most important ways we can make sure that that happens? And he said, number one, enjoy me. Nothing brings me more joy than you enjoying me. As I told you in the past, joy is the high spigot of the anointing. It is the number one secret to filling your spiritual tank. Spending fun time with me cannot be matched. You build fun memories and learn that I can be trusted with every aspect of your life. And the second is to desire me more. Actually, the first leads to the second. When you want to be with me... I want to be with you. It is so easy to get wrapped up in the things of this world and confuse the heart cry for more and be attracted to more of the wrong thing. But the heart cry for more of me is the only thing that truly satisfies. When you build memories with me, you will naturally want more of me. The third is to honor me by making me your first priority. Beginning your day with me sets the tone for your entire day. Making time to be with me first is like a time tithe that will come back to you multiplied. I know what you need to do, and I'm the only one that can give you the power to do it. So begin your day by filling your spiritual gas tank with me. Where your eyes are fixed reveals your highest priorities. If they are fixed on the things that you can do for me, then your eyes are fixed on the side effect of my anointing. But if your eyes are fixed on me, it causes me to fix my eyes back on you, and then you will encounter my glory. The third leads to the fourth. Stay humble. This is a real challenge. The power to serve is always from me, and I can only use humble people. So keeping those roles clear is really important. Pride will always catch up with you and will always make you stumble. When you honor me by making me first, you will stay humble. Encountering my glory, seeking my face, will keep you humble because you cannot look at my face without seeing yourself clearly. 
The next is to unify with other believers. It is so important for you to have a community of believers to walk out your life with. Being united with other faith-filled believers provides you with protection against the schemes of the enemy. It's not the sick antelope that's in danger from a predatory wildcat. It's the one who's wandered off alone. The community surrounds the sick antelope and protects it. There is no protection for a single antelope when it's wandered away from the pack. And the same is true for you. I have designed people to need each other and to cooperate and support each other in life and in ministry. And the last is to reflect my love. If your Christian life is not marked with the fruit of the Spirit, particularly love, joy, peace, and patience, you are not reflecting my glory. Be generous, content, positive. My spirit is edifying, uplifting, and encouraging. Remember, this is new covenant times. My glory is my nature and my character, visibly seen through your life. If you have a heart cry that says, show me your glory, you're essentially saying, God, give me more of you. I need you. And that is a prayer that blesses God most of all. And if you live a life that reflects God, you are releasing his glory. The highest compliment a Christian can receive is when they're with you and they say, I can see and feel God. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com slash shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After playing with the Lord in your special place, today's encounter is to ask the Lord to show you his glory in three different levels. Ask him to show you his glory in nature and creation. Then ask him to show you his glory as reflected in the lives of people you've experienced that carry his presence well. And then lastly, ask him to show you his glory as it is in you, in the indwelling spirit. Take all the time you need and record all of it in your journal.
Well, I hope that you were able to experience the Lord at a deeper level as you appreciate his glory and his anointing. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.